you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Hey, Dan. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. Hey, Dan. What's up, boys? How you doing? Seem a little downcast here today. The, the the environment in the room was definitely a little more tense than usual, I would say. Or sad, I guess, would be the yeah, word. Yeah, there's no tension. It's all a release. It's a sad release. The Jets are done. Uh, it does point out a fundamental disconnect uh, with my employment here. I joined the NFL in 2010 as a Jets fan. And I remain a Jets fan, even as I've gone through the company and writing for the website and doing a podcast and still at my heart, I'm a fan of the Jets. So when they crumble and one of their same old Jets collapses, like what happened uh, early this afternoon, Pacific time, there's something painfully unrelenting about having eight hours of a workday ahead of you, including... (laughs) A 60 to 70 minute podcast. So here I am <laughs> um, here so I don't get fined. Well, you should look at it. Maybe the listeners and then all, uh, the three of us who are just the nicest guys in the world. As maybe we can help heal you. And by the end of this, you'll rediscover your love for football or your bear your heart. And, and then I'm a professional. You'll connect with people. I'm a pro. I'll work through this and we will talk about the Jets and Bills a little bit uh, later in the show. I'm just going to work through it. Mark has a lot of, mm. um, you know, angst as well today. This is, you know, it did cross my mind as the Jets were stumbling into oblivion uh, or Bolivia, as Mike Tyson would say, that between Mark and I there would be enough angst to feel like a house of teenage girls and boys tenfold. <laughs> Different situation there. Yeah. That kind of a house. But, um, yeah, I would I would say that it's been – a, uh, we, you know, it's week 17. It is the end for 20 teams, and yours was painful. 
and mine was predictable. Right, and a new beginning for the Browns, which we'll get to uh, once again, a new beginning for the Browns coming up on today's show. Uh, yes, there are a lot of teams to talk about, and the Denver Broncos are one of them. Uh, somehow uh, they are uh, coming in, out of the regular season as the AFC's top team, according to the seedings coming up. We'll get into that and the return of the Sheriff, so that will be interesting. Uh, yes, as I said, Rex Ryan uh, beat the Jets again. We will talk about that. And Sunday night football with the uh, NFC North on the line, Vikings-Packers. <laughs> a lot of good show ahead of us today. <laughs> what a show. you gotta, you got to get used to this, though. This is, it's a test of professionalism, as you mentioned, because the good ship, you know, the, the Jets are high up on those pain rankings for a reason. But the good ship around the NFL, we're just getting started. We're just taking off. So, you know, we could have a lot of situations in the coming years and in decades where there's tough losses. Well, one one and counter to that, shows. Greg. The shows are getting bigger. That's what all I I'm think saying. the people like about this podcast is that we're not going to get Dan being fake excited. No, of course. We're going to get the real Dan, and that's you know, go not. tune in somewhere else if you want to get someone who's fake Wouldn't excited. Want it any all other the way? Yeah. Two words, Greg. Fundamental disconnect, and I got to work through that. Mm. It's dysfunctional, kind of like the San Francisco 49ers. More <laughs> uh, on them. Yeah, that's a professional. More on that also. Jim Tomsula out uh, right before we start taping today. But let's uh, start talking about some games. And we will start with, yes, the Denver Broncos, who crazy because Monday night they're playing a game uh, where – I believe, what is it, a tie game late in the game? They went into overtime, of course. There's about 17 different ways the Bengals could have won that game, and they didn't do any of them. And there was a scenario late in Monday Night Football where the Broncos could have missed the playoffs entirely. Fast forward six days later, and they are the number one seed in the AFC, and it looks like it will be Peyton Manning leading them into the playoffs. Manning replaced... Uh, an ineffective Brock Osweiler guiding and helped guide the Broncos to a 27 to 20 win over the Chargers on Sunday. Um, the win, coupled with a surprise Patriots loss, uh, means that the Denver Broncos have home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Uh, Greg, uh, so that's the good news for the Broncos. Uh, the bigger question, though, and I think it's going to be the dominant narrative as we head toward the playoffs. Did Gary Kubiak make the right decision turning his team mm. back over to the sheriff? That's that's an interesting way to put it because Peyton Manning, on the face of it, didn't do a lot that Im- was impressive in this game. He went 5 for 9, 50, 69 yards. I didn't think Brock Eisweller was playing poorly at all. He was averaging over 10 yards per attempt. If you looked at the three turnovers that he had, uh, one was on a drop. Another was on a pass where someone hit his arm in his back you know, when he was thrown. And the other was on a blindside blitz. Maybe a type a guy like Peyton Manning would pick up that blitz. He was know it was coming, and he wouldn't have fumbled the ball like Osweiler. But I do think it's the right decision, ultimately, because I think their ceiling of winning a possible Super Bowl is still higher with Peyton Manning. And as crazy as it is, as a football fan, I just think it was the right decision because how great is this? I mean, just going into the playoffs, this is a fascinating storyline. We thought Peyton Manning might never play in the NFL again. Instead, he's got home field advantage in the playoffs. Maybe this is his last season and he's going to try to go out a champion. Yeah, I I think the world of Peyton Manning, I, he's not always my favorite player, but I think we're all happy that he gets to go out. You know, He has the opportunity to go out with a bang instead of a whimper. He's not coming off the bench behind Brock Osweiler. I have to imagine that Gary Kubiak's going to stay with him. That's what this move does. Yeah, Kubiak did not 
uh, announce after the game who his quarterback will be, but it would be stunning, I think, to go back to Osweiler at this point. I mean, what Kubiak has done so well is that he never closed the door on Peyton Manning's return through all the other stuff that happened. And, you know, a couple weeks ago we were saying, oh, when Osweiler is in there, that run game really came to life. (laughs) But the reverse was true today. So I'm not sure you can really say – that it's because of one quarterback or the other, but he gave them a little. He gave them a jolt today. Right, something he, changed the minute he came. He on said the it field. himself. Manning said after the game, and by, on the subject of uh, Manning and him going out in a better way, even if they get wiped out in the divisional playoffs, the moment where he gets to come on the field and the entire crowd at Mile High is deafeningly loud, screaming for him, and he gets to lead them to a comeback win. He had one last nice moment. So even if it goes to hell, at least it doesn't end with him on the bench behind uh, a guy uh, that was drafted to replace him. But, you know, I think ultimately this team uh, did get a jolt. Manning said it himself. Like, I don't think Brock Osweiler did anything necessarily wrong to lead to me being in the game, which is another discussion how this even happened. But it just seemed like the team uh, blocked a little better, ran a little harder with me on the field, and and whatever the way that worked out for me worked out for the Broncos and a victory with me. At and center. let's not forget, it's one of the best pre-snap quarterbacks in the league who does call line adjustments and all sorts. You you mentioned in your post that you saw a little bit of a boost on that front. Well, that the minute he came in the game, they went on an 80-yard drive that was mostly running, and there was two plays, especially the touchdown, where he clearly, you know, he changed the play at the line of scrimmage. He ran away from the blitz, and they ran. Uh, for the score. So that's what you get with Peyton Manning. And Kubiak said after the game, I just thought the team was kind of looking around for a leader. That's what he said, or looking around for someone to take charge. And he even said to the halftime, uh, to Tracy Wolfson of CBS coming out of halftime, I told, you know, Brock needs to basically take control of his job. So the first series of, of the second half, C.J. Anderson fumbles the ball. Brock Osweiler didn't do anything. And then Osweiler gets the boot. So tough luck for him on a day where they had 500 yards of offense. You got me thinking, Dan, when you're saying, you know, circle back to last week, late in week 17, what could, I mean, week on Monday Night Football, what could have happened? Flash forward to five minutes left in this game, well after Peyton Manning was in the game, well after they took the lead and then gave it up. It's a tie ball game. Phillip Rivers has the ball. There's under five minutes to go. The Chiefs are on their way and have just about won the game against Oakland. At that minute, with five minutes left, it's a tie game. Phillip Rivers has the ball, and the Broncos were very much at risk of falling to the five seed. So this win, uh, which was really set up by the defense making stop after stop after stop when the Broncos turned the ball over, and then the Broncos got a turnover late. You know, this last five minutes of the game, I mean, it's monstrous. They would be on the road this week in the playoffs if not for it. Manning, 5 of 9, 69 yards. He didn't throw enough for us to really get an idea if he can still push the ball downfield with any accuracy or any zip. I don't know if we saw enough today. Uh, So we'll probably have to wait for two weeks to see if he can still throw the ball. Uh, But, yeah, I I don't think there's any doubt, Wes, that we're going to see Peyton Manning. It wouldn't make – as stunning as it was to see him come on the field out of nowhere in the third quarter, it would be even stranger if then they went back to Brock Osweiler. I think this is Peyton's team again. I do too. And uh, you mentioned on our NFL Now hit that – the AFC playoff picture is wide open, and the Broncos are the definitive example. Mm. In the second half of the season, they have a plus six-point differential. That is not dominant in any way. Uh, Brian Billick has his things called toxic different or toxic <laughs> whatever. Don't anyway. get him started on that stuff. <laughs> There's some formula, and the Broncos are the lowest-ranked AFC playoff team in that. Mm. I, and their quarterback was a liability for most of the year. And when we, when we say the AFC is wide open, it's not because there's six teams that are peaking right now. It's because – Anyone could win this. There is not a dominant team. And this will help Peyton Manning or any quarterback. Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson, 15 carries each 
uh, totaling 212 yards and two touchdowns. And C.J. Anderson, all C.J. Anderson, all of a sudden looks like the guy that was shredding defenses last year. So the Broncos, number one seed, but a total wild card. We'll see what happens uh, with them. Any final thoughts, guys? No, I mean you mentioned Anderson. Not only that, he might have changed the entire AFC playoff race if he doesn't fumble the ball there. Maybe Peyton Manning never gets his team back for the rest of the season. Great mistake by him. Saucy. <laughs> Uh, moving on. So, yes, the Broncos won, and they had a chance to steal that number one seed because the the Patriots lost. They held their playoff fate in their hands entering Sunday, but familiar problems resurfaced in a 2010 loss to the Dolphins in Miami. Uh, the loss coupled with Denver's win locks the Pats into the number two seed, so they still get the bye for the you know 400th straight year. That's nice. Uh, but no longer do they have home field throughout the AFC playoffs. And, Greg, here's my question. When's the last time the Patriots have looked this vulnerable entering the playoffs? Never. I would say this is the worst they've looked heading into the playoffs. 2009 would be the other example, but that team was just lousy throughout. Not lousy. I mean, this is on a roll. For them, though. For the throne of ease. One they second. were lousy when Wait, they won. Wait, branded behind the glass. This is throne of ease music, uh, sir. We're looking for throne of sleaze. I was being kind at first. No. I know that you had a rough <laughs> day. That's all I got. Greg's had a rough day. I was being kind. Give me a little sleaze, Greg. Sorry. I, I can go ahead. No all worries. Right. Greg, you can go. I'm, I want to just yes. hear some sleazy music. 2009, that was a bad team. This w- looked like a very good team. We were talking about, can anyone beat the Thank Patriots you. this year? when they were undefeated. They finished the season 2-4 and four down the stretch. This Dolphins team, their only win that they've had in the last eight weeks was a two-point win at home where they didn't score a touchdown against Matt Schaub. That's the only time the Dolphins have won a game since about seven weeks ago. The Patriots only threw the ball five times in the first half. That's the lowest in Tom Brady's career. Steven Jackson touched the ball, I think, eight of the first. You know, they ran the ball, and Steven Jackson touched it eight of the first nine snaps. It was it – was, it's hard to watch. The offense is just totally lost. It's a weird mindset that the Patriots entered this game with. Were they trying to keep Tom Brady healthy or trying to win the game? Because I saw some quotes where one of the – Nate Ebner, I believe, told some of the Miami players – Ebo. After the game, we were just going to run the ball until we got two first downs. That was the game plan. And it looked like it. I mean, the longest pass completed to a wide receiver or a tight end was 12 yards. And their leading, you know, receiver was James White because he had one screen that went 60 yards. My so goodness. It was, it was a weird performance, but they had to have been trying to win and thought they could do both because you have Tom Brady out there. And in Belichick's defense, every time Bel- Brady dropped back to pass, he got hammered. He got hit low. He walked and limped off the podium. He was limping around all game. It was about as bad a week. So a week after you, you kick off in overtime, you now come into this game with this kind of a scheme, this game plan? Either the hubris is off the charts or Greg gets too much ribbing for the Patriots because this actually is a team right now that is so banged up that they just aren't the team that we thought they were. Tom Brady, 12 of 21. And if you're watching on NFL Now or on YouTube, you just saw the low hit by Sue that really, I mean, the way Brady went down, you you were wondering if maybe it hurt that ACL again in the right leg. But Brady goes 12 of 21, 134 yards. I mean, Steven Jackson in a must-win game to get the number one seed. Steven Jackson, who's basically 
you know, with all due respect, a mummified corpse at this point. 14 carries for 35 yards. Brandon Bolden's – I mean, have they simply, Greg, lost too many players at this point to be seen as a real credible threat at uh, defending their title? No, I don't think so because I think they could flip the switch in, on the division round, win a close game where maybe they don't play their very best in the first round, and then get rolling again because we've seen teams do that, and I certainly think the Patriots could do that when you get Edelman back – when you get Chandler Jones missed this game too. Hightower. Hightower, uh, Sebastian Vollmer. But I don't think the injuries account for everything. That doesn't account for 438 yards for the Dolphins, 196 for the Patriots. So this was a game that the Patriots were actually very lucky to be tied in the middle, you know, going into the fourth quarter. We're hand-wringing a little too much. We say that every year the Patriots are going to go 12-4. and four. They finished 12-4. Right? and four. They're yeah. gonna be, I think right. it's a different twelve and four though. It's By a, week it's a personnel issue Feels though. Different. This team is not the team that they're gonna take into the their first playoff game. I, I totally agree. And the defense, I've ne- I've never been concerned with the defense this uh, this season, including this game. For the most part, they held up for most of this game, and they have injuries, and they'll get guys back. So there, there's always a chance I'll, that you got Brady. I'll say this too, and maybe it's just because it's all I have left, but. You know, sometimes you look at, you know, you could be tempted or mistakenly look at guys like they're not actual people. They're like fantasy players. So you're taking Julian Edelman and Amendola and Sebastian Vollmer. Not that he would be a fantasy player, but stick with me. He's a great one. And you you assume you plug them back in, and after missing X number of weeks, they're all going to be the same guy. Those injuries are completely gone. But they're so beat up. Uh, that there is a very real chance that those guys won't be the same guys they were when they were Patriots were killing everybody early in their season. I still think there's going to be real problems even when these guys are in, involved with the field. I don't think it's the cure-all to what's wrong. Agreed. There's no running game. There's no running backs coming back. And so they're one-dimensional, and they're counting on short and short guys that don't have a lot of long speed to, you know, go across the middle. It's a limited offense. Well, with the, with, yeah, with the current roster, they are not the second-best team in the AFC in my book. Oh, that said, I'm not sure what separates number two through number four or five anyway. Oh, I think they're the best team in the AFC. I wouldn't put them as the best team. Over Denver? Yeah, I think they're going to be healthy. Denver's got a liability. Healthy, yes. As it is, as it stands right now. Oh, yeah, but that's not who they're going to be. That's that's not who the Patriots are going to be when the games start. And and I I don't see how anyone can consider the Broncos the favorites when their quarterback has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Did did Bortles catch Peyton Manning for the most interceptions? Yes. Right, so <laughs> still a lot of interceptions in half a season. Uh, moving on, so yes, it is time to talk about the Jets. And um, as if you're a Jets fan, this game, especially the first half, it reminds you a lot of what happened in 2010 in the playoffs. You beat the Patriots in a, a huge, huge setting, uh, a season-defining victory over the Patriots, and then the next week you let down inexplicably. In the, in 2010, it was in the playoffs from the divisional playoffs to the AFC title game against the Patriots where they – the Steelers, excuse me, where they went down 24 nothing at the half. And this year it was Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills who end the Jets season after a stirring Week 16 win, uh, a game where the Jets came out tight. Uh, they looked like a team that was fully aware of all the storylines that had been building up all week about why they couldn't lose this game. And what happens, they fall behind. They crawl back into it. They cut it to 20 to 19, and that's when one of the more infamous plays in recent Jets history happens. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Bills' red zone, they're in field goal range, uh, locks in on, on Eric Decker and throws a crushing inter- interception. Um, 
that spikes that drive uh, with about 11 minutes to play in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back two more times in the fourth quarter, uh, and they all those drives end with a Ryan Fitzpatrick interception as well. So Fitzpatrick, who had been so brilliant all season, and he threw two more in, uh, touchdowns in this game, and he set the club record for touchdowns in a season by a quarterback. Um, again, this is a team that had Joe Namath in uh, once upon a time, so that is quite a record. Eric Marshall, uh, Brandon Marshall had another touchdown. Eric Decker had another touchdown. But when it came down to it, it was the same old Jets. What is with Darrell Revis' complete inability to cover Clemson wide receivers? Mm. Well, you know what? It maybe wasn't, you know, that's that's true. Um, but Darrell Revis, again, um, showed this season he's a very good cornerback. But if there are elite young wide receivers in the mix, it, it will be time for, for Todd Bowles to rethink strategy and maybe employ the Patriots strategy, which is put Revis on the best number two guy and then have a cornerback and a safety double the, the, the stud wide receiver. That's a lot of money for, for a number I, two guy. I mean, I understand that. I mean, he shuts down almost everybody, but yeah. there are certain guys that give him trouble. And Sammy Watkins had 11 catches in this game, uh, killed him all day. And the Jets, uh, Mo Wilkson broke his leg in this game too. It was a real nice day for Jets uh, fans and Jets history. But um, the Jets were the best team in football all season on third downs, and they uh, the Bills converted nine third downs and two fourth downs. Uh, they stayed on the field. They killed the Jets in time of possession. And, you know, when Fitzpatrick throws that interception early in the fourth quarter, the game shouldn't be over. There's 11 minutes to go, but the Jets' inability to get off the field meant that they only had one more possession after that. And that was also um, one true possession. There was a desperation possession at the end as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is – and I was thinking about this. Um, this is in my lifetime, and I really became a fan probably – a real fan around 1990. I would. I this one creeps into the top five uh, uh, most devastating losses uh, because of what it signified in the sense that the AFC, as I said, and we all agree on, is a wide open situation this year. And I think the Jets could beat any team of the six that are in the playoffs and could have made a nice run the way they were set up, a nice veteran team, and the way uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's season seemed to be going. It was a storybook type season. But for it to go this way and for Rex to be the guy to knock him out, it is same old Jets. And I got a lot of heat when I put the Jets number two on the pain rankings uh, because I was like, oh, how do you say – how can you do that? The Jets have had success, and and people might even say, oh, this year they won ten games. But the Jets are different than other franchises. Like Marks, Brown's a hapless franchise where nothing ever good seems to happen and there's bad ownership and it leads to bad decisions, bad draft picks and so on. The Jets are the team – that suck you in and then spit you out and leave you to die. And that's what happened in Orchard Park today. Where are you at with Ryan Fitzpatrick now? Do you want him to be signed to a long-term deal and become the face of the franchise? I don't think you need – if you sign him, I don't think you're making him the face of the franchise. But I do think as long as his owner, uh, his agent, is, is, it doesn't go nuts. Well, I just – he had a really good year, but we know he's a flawed player. He's flawed, yes, and I don't know if he'll ever have a season as good as this, but I think given their current depth chart, Geno Smith, forget about Geno Smith. Bryce Petty is still way too raw to know anything. You can't hand over the team to him. Keep in mind, this is a veteran team still with a lot of 
good veteran players in their early 30s. So you kind of you can't turn it over to the 23-year-old Baylor kid that's never done anything. So I think if you can sign Fitzpatrick uh, to a, another deal, and he's going to get another deal from somebody, as long as the money isn't crazy, I'm okay turning the team over to him for a couple of years if he can be close to this guy. Give him big money and, and then and get out after two keep years. trying yeah. to draft as yeah. high yeah, as he possibly can. Yeah. But he's going to get good money. He's gonna, he absolutely He's going to get $14, 15000000 million a year or something crazy. And Maybe that's not fine. That At much. least. As long as it doesn't go to 20 or something and it, it gets out of hand, I think the Jets will be happy to bring back. I think back. this year they have a GM that's not going to make – Account miscalculation in terms of money. That way, they have, they have you got hope as a Jets fan because you've got a good coach and you've got a good general manager who work well together. I think there's reasons to feel like this can they can build off this. Question though, do you think that what happened today and they they didn't get blown out. They 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 were in it till the end. Sure. A couple of fateful plays, but that winning the game last week against what in that locker room has to be seen as the arch rival. Was there any? element of letdown where they weren't able to see this game or deal with it the same way when it was even more important Frank. I don't think it was a letdown I think they came out tight I think yeah. that they the moment maybe overwhelmed uh, some there were some drops there were some uh, penalties they, they had a fourth and three where they got uh, Sheldon Richardson got drawn on an encroachment type, type of stuff that you never see they were making the type of mistake that Rex's bonehead team was making all season. And, you know, I think this team is, there's still things to be excited about. One of the more surreal moments of today for me was after the game was over and I did the write up and I kind of, you know, walk, you stumbled like a zombie into the, our break room to get lunch that they serve to all of us. Uh, Charlie Casserly was in there. It was just me and Charlie. Charlie, who of course uh, was responsible for the Jets hiring uh, Mike McCagnin. I think he played a role in bowls too, correct? I think just McCagnin. McCagnin. I'm not it was. sure. But I, I was like, Charlie, I said, I can't believe the Jets blew that one. And he's like, ah, yeah, see, that was a killer, see? Uh, <laughs> but I was like, but Charlie, I want to thank you uh, for, for Big Mac. It was, a, it was a nice hire. He's like, yeah, see, they'll be okay, see? <laughs> I, I think you're right. McCagnin was a, was a great hire. And I think what happened today was just they lost one of these games. I mean, they won by three points against the Giants, who are lousy. They won by three points against the the Cowboys, they they won the, against the Patriots in overtime. These are all close games. This is sort of what the NFL is right now. And they had won three of those in a row on magical drives by Fitzpatrick. And then and then they got picked off by a guy. I think Tyrod Taylor is like the guy you don't want to play in the week. You need to clinch. In Buffalo. Because those, tough. those long drives that he had, one in the fourth quarter and then one to start the game where he, his legs are just keeping those drives going, it just – it's why Rex Ryan says it's so frustrating to go against him. And the other thing that bothered me from what I saw this game was Daryl Revis' effort on one of those Sammy Watkins long oh, plays he where he was it. bobbling it, and Revis starts jogging a little bit. And Revis didn't talk to the press after the game, which he's got to be smarter than that because it gives all the columnists their little hook to say that Revis didn't want to talk because he's no longer a guy that can walk the walk, that type of stuff. But listen, I get it. There's not a, it's not a stunning loss in that sense. But everybody, everybody, Greg, dreams to have that 2001 Patriots season where you're kind of like a good team, not a great team, but then the fortune starts rolling in your favor and all of a sudden you're playing in the yeah. last Sunday. The Jet fan thought that this team could be that team in a, in a vulnerable year for the AFC and the Patriots. I take back my team. criticism of any Jets in the pain rankings thing. I take, Thank you. I take it all I back, agree. especially when we mapped this out a few weeks ago, sort of half or mostly, I saw this mostly I, jokingly. Yeah. We mapped it out in an NFL network hit that I'm not sure ever aired that the most painful way to do it, most way to crush all the Jets fans the most would be to beat the Cowboys, beat the Patriots, and then Rex takes them out. Same old Jets. And mm. thank you, a sincere thank you to all the listeners 
that were super nice on Twitter. I got hundreds of tweets of people like sending condolences. And then there were a lot of, you know, dirtbag Pats fans. I, uh, I declare vengeance against all of you guys. Oh, I blocked one of those guys because he wouldn't. He kept including us while he was. I blocked two of those guys. I think they were today. trying to make vengeance. Fun of, they were making fun, making fun of Dan. I didn't like that. Thank you, Wes. Having a yeah, guys, party. I really appreciate you guys. You're friends. Moving on. So yes, the Jets lose, and what do the Steelers have to do? The scheduling gods smile down and say, "We will give you a matchup against the chaos-ridden Cleveland Browns in Cleveland." And the Steelers took care of business. They knock off the Browns. The I'm looking at Mark's right up. The ridiculous Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well, I'm accurate. Yeah, 28-12 win. So the Steelers win combined with the Jets' loss puts Pittsburgh in the Steelers. Uh, forget about West of us. Christmas comes for West, who was rooting uh, for this very scenario. So I'm happy for you, Wes. I'm not happy for uh, you, Marks. I know there's nothing to be happy about in Cleveland. But let's talk about the Steelers first. Uh, what did you see from them today, and what do you think about them as a playoff team, which they now are? Yeah, let's talk about the competent of the two teams in this game. And it really, it, you know, Pittsburgh, like all these other AFC playoff teams, they have their flaws. And it starts, number one, with we look at the, the Patriots, they're banged up. D'Angelo Williams had his foot in a cast after this game, which would be a tremendous loss for Pittsburgh mm. because we saw what happened last year when you took their running game away and they went into the playoffs with a no-namer. And if that happens... They're going to have to rely entirely on Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. The good, the good news is, is that that combination is insane right now. Brown had 10 catches in the first half alone. I mean, it, well, if you remove some of these mistakes that Ben Roethlisberger's made the past couple of weeks, this passing game is one of the strongest aspects of any team in the AFC playoff race. Now, they're incomplete in other ways. I, I, I have no, you know... I'm not taking that away, but Big Ben has to remove the, move the interceptions. They, they played a better team today. I'm not sure Pittsburgh gets out of this one alive. Didn't because, look good for most No, of no, day. three turnovers. It's because you're playing Austin Davis in a Browns unit that has just not practiced well together much at all. They turned three turnovers into three points. Hmm. You, you're thinking, if I, as I was watching this, I kept telling you, Dan, you may not, what, no matter what the Jets do, you might see the Browns sneak out the back door with a win here because of Pittsburgh could not heat up early on. But then, you know, in the end, effortlessly 350 yards through the air for Big Ben because they're that kind of offense through the air and it, when, when you get down to it. And, and Cleveland could not stop them, and they got enough big plays to put this thing away at the end. The Williams injury is big, but I don't worry about their offense at all. It's no. their defense that I've seen too many good offenses shred all season. They don't have a yeah. good secondary. No, they, they lose – they got rid of Dick LeBeau, which – I guess it was time, but that was kind of his gambit. Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. Now, in theory, you know, okay, I'm really going to put my stamp on it, you know, hire my guy, it, and their defense isn't any better. It hasn't worked. It, last week was a perfect example. Their defense came up really small against Ryan Mallett. I mean, you know, today, I guess they, they did a good enough job against the Browns, but I disagree with what you said about the offense. If Fitzgerald Toussaint is your starting running back, it just makes you – Way more limited than when you add D'Angelo Williams, who I thought was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Toussaint today, 12 carries, 24 yards. They finished with 30 yards on the Jordan ground. Jordan Todman. Whatever. Well, if, I if, mean, if you run into that, a that, team. That hurts. I think, right. I think that hurts. If, if they're not able to run the ball against a good defense like Cincinnati next week, they're going to go to Cincinnati, have that rematch. It just makes them limited, and it makes Ben Roethlisberger have less margin for error. He hasn't had 
a few good weeks here, throwing some bad picks. I mean, he was a big part of the reason they lost last week. I think he's Baltimore. good and bad, but he is turnover prone, right. which is an aspect the we've not really weeks. seen of, you know, as a predominant thing for Big Ben. They played a team today that has shown no ability to adjust at halftime, and when D'Angelo Williams went out, the game plan for Cleveland didn't change. But that's not going to happen in the playoffs, in theory, against better teams that are going to take advantage of that. I think the Steelers are by far – the biggest wild card of any team in the playoffs uh, as we start looking ahead now to the final 12 teams because I would not be shocked if – because, by the way, they got beat by the Ravens and Ryan Mallett week 16. They let a Browns team in utter chaos hang around way too long. I mean, we saw a report – you know, we we could talk about what's wrong with the Browns all day, but this – the Browns were so ready to end the season that they didn't even have, like, (laughs) an opening – like, they didn't have an introduction. They went from the locker room straight to the sideline – you know, the, the coach is getting canned. The GM's getting canned. I mean, and they still allowed this team to hang around. I they, wouldn't be shocked if the, if the Cincinnati puts one on them, and I wouldn't be shocked if they win the Super I also Bowl. wouldn't be shocked if Pittsburgh won three playoff games in a row. Sure. I mean, we've seen a I mean. team like the Ravens a couple years ago get hot after we wrote their offense off in December. So, I'd, like to, you know. I'd like to apologize, sorry, to uh, Week 17 for doubting it earlier this week saying it was a lousy looking week 17 because this ended up being oh, stop. there was a lot going on if nothing else when when I was on the old uh, NFL Sunday Blitz couch Damashek was talking about <laughs> it's what, definitely not the name of the show never. <laughs> it's over with NFL uh, now game day blitz game day blitz Damashek was legitimately talking off air because it was bothering him so much whether they should fire Tomlin if they lose this game because at the time they were losing I think or it was tied well, you know, Dave's close. got to calm down with that stuff. At the end of the day, when we were getting makeup for this show, no one can tell we're wearing it. But yeah. as it, the contrast to the misery that you were going through, which we feel for you, I was listening down the hallway as Damashek was in the green oh, room. With holding the, court. He was just cackling, laughing, <laughs> because obviously this was like the greatest. After last week, he was down in the dumps, and fortunes flipped so quick I with these two check, games. I think that Sheck – actually thinks he lives an angsty like existence as an NFL fan. I don't think he's quite aware sometimes of what actual angsty teams deal with. Well, let's yeah. talk about uh, one of those. The <laughs> yeah, Browns. That's a good transition, Greg, because the Cleveland Browns made it official on Sunday. They fired Mike Pettin after the game. He's gone. They fired uh, Ray Farmer, the general manager. Before the game. Uh, weird. <laughs> before the game. He's gone. Uh, Jimmy Haslam. Uh, if you want to trace, you know, the roots to what's going on, or a lot of people can point to ownership as saying this is all product of this dysfunction could go all the way to the top. He had a press conference on Sunday night before Sunday night football, where he discussed how some of the issues begin with him. Uh, but they're going to get this figured out, but cautioned as well that this is not a, a one year turnaround. This is a, a rebuild they're in Mark. And I know you've heard that too many times. Here we go again, another regime out the door after two years. Well, and I don't think any Browns fan should believe what comes out of that building when they talk about patience and we're going to take our time because what history tells us is that if you're Jimmy Haslam, you're on to your fourth coach at this point in, th- in, in not many seasons, three or four seasons, three plus, and you're hiring your third, and it's the fifth Browns coach in, 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 since 2009. So if you don't succeed quickly, you're getting fired. You're not. This is a terrible situation because with a bunch of openings coming up, and many of them that have more, you know, stability, you know, front from the front office down with the quarterback situation and just the talented roster, this team is going to lose a bunch of free agents this year. No one's going to want to come here. What coach wants to come into this situation? Because 
yes, it's the stuff that's reported, but these people talk, and if you listen behind the scenes to what the climate is in Cleveland and who is still is still around after this sweep out, well, they made it they is made highly some, toxic. They announced, you know, significant things in the Haslam press conference in terms of the power structure. Uh, the executive. I would call them disturbing things. Okay, <laughs> the 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 executive vi- new executive vice president who was formerly their lead counsel, just their lawyer, their lead lawyer, now is in charge of football operations. Oh, no. Um, and the 53-man I'm roster. I'm spacing on his name right now, Mark. Sashi Brown. Sashi Brown. So Sashi Brown's oh now. Oh, my God. His name is Sashi? Sashi Brown is now running football okay. operations and has final say on the roster. He's going to be part of the team that hires the coach. Then the coach and Brown will help hire the GM, although the GM – uh, doesn't really sound like a GM if they don't have final say. And someone pointed out on, on Twitter, well, then any other team can tell them, no, he doesn't have to interview for that job because he doesn't have final say. That's part of the rules. And so they're already limiting themselves it's in terms of the type of guys they can hire. And, you know, and I – Wes I, is making a No, I agree face. with Mark. That is, that it, is it makes especially no sense. disturbing. It makes no sense. And there are different levels of fan pain or whatever it is. I'm just completely detached as a human being at this point because this isn't the first time. I even got excited about the idea of hiring Petten last time. I, f- I had a lot of reason to think it was a good young coach to get in there. But at this time, I just don't see a team or an organization that has enough unified thought to make wise choices here or to attract talent. I, I wish I could believe you, Mark, because I know you well enough that I know you'll always kind of be – You'll love the love affair. It's a little unconditional. I, I think you'll always. But I hope you're right. I hope you do detach because it doesn't seem like I was that I this that is attached this season. I yeah. told you more than ever year I that I was more than ever. Yeah. I think you bought no. back in at midseason. I listen. I, I, I don't. This is not a criticism. No, I, mean, no, I think like, it's OK. I, it's lo- I, I think Browns loyalty. fans in general, like, you know, at this point, you need to see even a real reason to hope or you don't have to invest and spend your money and sit and waste your Sundays watching a bad product. Here's the thing, and I think, Mark, you're a perfect example of this. Um, you do not like people taking shots using the the, the Browns as com- comic fodder because it's, it's not funny. Like, what's happening with the Browns? Everyone's getting a lot of yucks out of it year after year after year, and it's happening again. There's nothing funny about it if you're a Browns fan. It's tragic. Well, Here's the reason I would say that a lot are detached and I'm detached. If I wasn't working here, but you're so fired up. If I wasn't working here, you're getting. I mean, and I don't. I think it shows you're a good fan. I don't really know what that means, to be honest, at this point. But it's like I, if I wasn't working here, I would not spend Sundays after about late September watching the product they put on the field. There's so many better things to do with your life. You don't have. You're not proving anything to anyone by sitting around and watching this into late December. And that stadium was heavy with Steelers fans today, and that's what it should be. The Browns don't deserve the sellouts they've gotten that, since 1999 with the product they put on the field. Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, reports came out afterwards. You know, Peter King, you wrote a, you wrote on it that the Browns are done with them, him essentially after this. We'll see, and that he wants to go to Dallas, as if he can choose where he wants to go. It's like uh, it just—if that's really what he—if he's trying to get fired, I mean, the guy is just a total train wreck. Yeah, well, I mean, Dallas would be the right place to be able to get away with that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, well, that's true. All I right, don't. I sure. think we spend too much time on this team because it's, in theory, my team. But I think no, it's no, your no, no. team, though, Mark. But in it this is. this off season, like they don't deserve our attention. There's 31 teams that want to win more than Cleveland, as far as I can see. And, they're they're and a soap has, opera. Haslam was so right putting it on himself because it's all on him because he hired Pettin while Michael Lombardi was still running the team. Then he fires Lombardi, then hires a general manager who has no history with Pettin. They don't get along at all, and that relationship, which they were battling for two years, ended up just blowing up everyone's a loser, including Haslam, and it's exactly because of the way Haslam went about things. The Browns are the equivalent of the Making a Murderer um, series on Netflix where <laughs> you you plug in and you're fascinated and horrified and disgusted, but you can't look away because it's just it's kind of a train wreck TV, and and that's what the Browns are. You it's ever sad. seen a you show? Are a factory of sadness. Yeah, it does, I feel nothing at that point. You're not gonna be able to hurt me with that. But at this point, <laughs> you ever seen a show the day after back in the '80s? Uh, no. It was essentially what the Earth would look like if a nuclear bomb <laughs> went off in the middle of America. That's what this is. <laughs> Jason Robards. That's where we're at, folks. Moving on. So, yeah, the Browns are a mess. The Carolina Panthers are really the other end of the spectrum. They finished the season 15-1 in style with a 38-10 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Uh, The win clinches the number one seed in the NFC for the Panthers. That's the first time in franchise history that they've done it. The Panthers came into the NFL in the year, Wes? 1995. Correct. Uh, so this is the first time in 20 years that they've pulled it off. And, uh, you know, I watch this game uh, in kind of a, uh, a stupor, a, d- a depressed stupor, uh, <laughs> but enough to have a couple takeaways. And number one would be <clears throat> Cam Newton locked up MVP honors. Not that this was even really a race, but you could put it to bed after this game. Another supremely uh, efficient effort, four touchdowns, two passing, two on the ground. You look at his final season stats, he completed 60%, 60% of his passes, nearly 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns through the air, 10 on the ground, 636 uh, rushes. Uh, there's nobody that can come uh, close to that production, all-around production, and then what the team did going 15-1. and one. And I'll say that, you know, the other thing, Mike Shula, who I know, Greg, you've never been a fan of, um, I am but, now. Yeah, I think everybody's got to be a fan of him now because <laughs> you lose Kelvin Benjamin and you score 500 points in a season, which this franchise has never done before. Number one offense in the league. Number one Is offense it? in the league. They scored 30 or more points eight times this year. Um, and that incredible. And they, and they had a slow start. I don't think they even did that in September. And then they just started rolling. You know, they, they didn't have Jonathan Stewart today. It didn't matter. They hung 38 on their opponent. And then you add in the fact that their defense led the NFL with 39 takeaways. And it makes sense why they, why they flirted with perfection. This team is loaded. This team has to be seen as the heavy favorite to win the Super Bowl. And mm. uh, I don't know what else can be said. I mean, the, the Panthers are have two weeks off now, and they're looking good. Cam Newton, did you mention, has the MVP sewn up now? I did. That's how we started talking okay. about this. I think did, if it, did you shut me out? Yeah. Okay. I think if the vote happened after last week, it would have been a close race where Newton won anyways over Palmer and Brady. And you're right. Now that the last week matters so much, I think he'll win this solved by it. a landslide. Um, I don't really have much to say about the Bucks other than Jameis Winston <laughs> we uh, finished with 4,000 yards. He's only the third rookie to ever do that. So, uh, you know, as uh, guys like us who go through the entire news cycle of the NFL all year, how much buzz and ink and virtual ink? 
was wasted on Jameis Winston being a potential headache and nightmare. It looks like they got their guy. Well, bottom line, I think he saved about 45 people in that building their jobs. But what you were saying about the Panthers, that's the answer to the question, who's the most dangerous team in the NFC? I, I hate that question. Who's the most dangerous? Well, the Panthers are. They're at home, and they've lost one game all year, and they have the number one offense, and then they have the MVP in the league, and they have the coach of the year. I disagree that they're heavy favorites you know, to win the Super Bowl. I would put – the Cardinals right there with them. and I, would, I guess consider I would say that, me a little spook. We'll talk about the Cardinals a little yeah. bit later, but what happened uh, today um, and with the Panthers, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I'm giving the Panthers their due here. Yeah, they, they deserve it, but they're the most dangerous team because they've been the best team and they're at home and, and they've got the best player. Oh, and by the way, all the people talking about Lovey Smith as a coach of the year candidate a month ago closed out the season with four losses in a row. That's fair. Yeah. With the playoffs on the line. But he's safe. When the, when the rookie quarterback – Shows promise. People keep their jobs, as Mark was saying. Well, unless you're Ken Wisenhunt, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, yes, the the Arizona Cardinals entered Sunday with a chance to potentially uh, steal the number one seed in the NFC, and they did not come close. Uh, so, you know, Carolina holds up their end of the bargain. They blow out their opponent. And then Arizona puzzlingly, puzzlingly, Lee, puzzlingly, Lee. In a quizzical fashion. Puzzlingly, Lee. <laughs> Puzzlingly, Lee, in a quizzical fashion, get blown out. 36-6, the, C- the Seattle Seahawks beat them. I'm going to die. Excuse me. Uh, 36-6 win for the Seahawks, who uh, uh, close out the season at 10-6. and And, Wes, you called this in our write-up um, one of the most impress- impressive performances of the year. For the Seahawks, yes. they. This was a one-sided game, and – it was a mindset thing for the Cardinals. They did not enter the game with the right mindset. They they played like a team that had nothing to play for, even though there was a scant chance they could still get the number one seed. But they were outworked in every facet of the game and, to me, were mentally checked out from the opening bell. Is that a concern? I don't know. The, Seah- the Seahawks got outplayed by the Rams last week and looked to be a concern, and they go out and blow the doors off the Cardinals this week. So things can change from week to week. It's a weird game because going into it the conventional wisdom was the Seahawks don't have anything to play for the Cardinals do that the Cardinals will be more motivated and so I don't think you can take anything away from the Seahawks and you weren't uh that they came out and Carson Palmer's in the game in the first half and they win the game you know 30 to 6 in the first half so the game is over at that point all the starters are in so whatever the motivation is I don't know but Seahawks had the motivation to show everyone and to prove to themselves we are a great team. We have been as good as any team in the NFL for the last four years, as good as any team really for a four-year run that any team's had in the last 20 years, and the best team in the NFL for the last eight weeks too, by the way, you know, right there with the Cardinals and the Panthers. So they proved it, and now they're going to be tough to, tough to beat. Sorry. I'm willing to give the Cardinals a mulligan just because of the fact that in every other game this season they've showed up. They've looked highly motivated. I mean, it, it, this happens in, the, in today's NFL, too. Good luck finding more than one or two teams that do this 16 weeks in a row. They're 13 and 3. Right. I mean, they've been fantastic, and I do think that they're just as dangerous as Carolina if they're playing at their peak. We'll see. I agree with you on the mulligan, and I still think uh, the Cardinals are a stud team. I think, what, have they won nine in a row, eight in a row going into this game? But if they see Seattle in the playoffs, I feel like this game could have some DNA that – that could lead to Seattle having some type of psychological advantage. I think it's one thing to, to win in Arizona, to, to blow them away. I think that this really could have big, a big um, 
factor in the NFC playoffs. It happened last gonna, year, too. I mean, I that was with a different big. Cardinals team and not as healthy. Well, Richard Sherman, they asked him after a game, you know, there's some talk the Cardinals, I don't know where this talk comes from, talk that the Cardinals would be worried about you guys coming back here. And he was just like, they should be. You know, we'll get after him. And who knows if the Seahawks will wind up matching up against him? Matters on the seeding. Well, well, this is we'll also see. useful for Bruce Arians. It's yeah. going to be it's Absolutely. pure motivation, and it's it's a it's going to get them refocused pretty pretty. Easy. Yeah, the hopeful part of uh, my P- Patriots fandom was thinking that, but with the Patriots in terms of well, this is going to give Belichick plenty to harp on and be miserable about for a couple weeks, and uh. sometimes they respond to that. I don't I think can't. Bill needs anything to be miserable. Well, I'm not even sure that's how Good coaching that. operates half the time either, but, you know. I can't wait to pick the Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs to win because nobody wants to face them right now. Russell Wilson, this is the best seven-game stretch in NFL history as far as touchdown-to-interception ratio, 24-1. to 1. Whoa. And their defense for the fourth straight year finishes with the fewest points allowed. Mm. This is a pretty complete team. The uh, Moving on, the Houston Texans are – the AFC South champions, uh, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless combined for six and a half sacks. Listen to this, guys. Six and a half sacks, three fumble recoveries, five tackles for loss, and a uh, forced fumble, uh, a 36 win over the supposedly improving Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans will host the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round. In a wide open AFC, we'd be wrong to assume they're an easy out, right, Wes? Oh, yeah, they're you saw what J.J. Watt's going to do without a cast today. Oh, my goodness. He it's was unblockable. dominant. And do you guys think that locks up Defensive Player of the Year for him? I think that realistically it does because I think him getting into the playoffs and having the great season that he did. Right. I thought Aaron, Aaron Donald had my personal vote going into this last week, and he had four quarterback hits today, so he didn't have a bad game at all. And so I think it was close, but I think Watt will get it. I think this gave him the sack title too. And you know what? Watt should have won it two years ago. Uh, yes. So he's owed one, and now it's going to even out. He'll be the – that how it If works? he wins – Well, it should. If he wins, he'll join Lawrence Taylor as the only players ever to win it three times. I will say, um, you know, on a, a note of uh, levity and uh, a show that needs it, J.J. Uh, <laughs> Watt sack dance today. I don't know if anybody saw that. And if you're it. watching on YouTube, you can check it out. You know, we talked about earlier in the season, he had the line about Andy Dalton and, you know, being the – the pop gun quarterback, whatever it was. And I, you could tell he clearly was practicing in his uh, uh, hotel room <laughs> here. Uh, here he took every popular dance uh, by NFL players this season, celebration dance, whether it be after a sack or a touchdown, and combined them into one dance. I think he practices alone in a mirror for roughly seven hours. Oh, for sure. Still, JJ still trying too hard. He had an personality. answer. He had an answer for that after the game. He said, if you don't like it, be good at football, join the NFL, and do your own sack dance. That's cool, JJ. I'm just saying you're trying too hard, bud. That's all. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a bad guy about it. I'm just saying I, I see what yeah. you're doing. You're trying too hard. Sneaky Watt hands is he? Not yeah. expecting it's that. It's been there all That's year. Good. It's been there all year. That's true. The yeah. Texans, I don't think that the Chiefs should be a huge favorite in this game. The Chiefs are playing close games against bad teams lately. I, the 11th and 12th least exciting teams play each other in the playoffs. Not to rain on the Texans parade. They, they've played well, especially the last two weeks. Isn't that Guarantees true of them every of time they get into the playoffs? That's been true of them. That's right. And Wes, I think, I don't know if you're going to be with me on this, but I'm going to go out there and maybe you can join me. I want to apologize to Bill O'Brien because I know we had a lot of fun with uh, Bob, B-O-B, uh, with his his opening rant on hard knocks. And, yes, he still messed up the quarterback room early in the season. 
But this is a hell of a coaching job by O'Brien, who took a, a completely decimated Texans team in a bad division. I get that. But to nine wins and into the playoffs, Bill O'Brien, stud. Both of those statements can be true, that he botched the quarterback decision as badly as anyone's ever botched it in week one. You name a guy's starter and pull him after, two what, two quarters? He yeah. totally botched it and then coached his butt off the rest of and the year. We – you know, we mocked him hard, and this also—he deserved to be the mocked. The same team was down forty-one nothing in the second quarter to the Dolphins, and uh, uh, who's the Houston Chronicle? Um, John McClain. John McClain, who I haven't heard from in three months now, uh, was having a ball mocking this team. So all of a sudden, now they're a playoff team with a winning record. Just you know, four and six outside the division. It's at least wor- worth noting. It's a nice season, no matter what. You're winning games with Weed and Hoyer. I know could name a few coaches that haven't done. He's that. done a terrific job. Uh, let's uh, move on, gentlemen. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, capped off one of the more unlikely uh, streaks in NFL history, um, beating the Oakland Raiders 23-17. It was their 10th consecutive win, and here's their season, Mark. They win their opener against Houston. They lose their next five games, including that insane heartbreaker to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. would have been nice if they had that win when you look at how the standings ended up shaking out. Then they win their final 10 games. Uh, another AFC team maybe some people are looking past and maybe they shouldn't. Well, I think Wes summed it up, though. It's it, The Chiefs are what they are, but I, I think that you a have team that to, never loses. Well, okay. Here, I would say Andy Reid. I wrote it in the thing today. He, to me, deserves a lot of credit for Coach of the Year, although he's not going to win it because of the way these seasons played out in Carolina especially. But Andy Reid has saved his job when he probably could have been on the hot seat at that season, continued off that 1-5 and five sure. start. But they, are, they aren't dominating bad teams. They are winning these games as a complete team. Where today, for instance, they get off to a 14-0 start, and it looked like it was just going to end up in one of these. Maybe they are going to do it 41 nothing wipe out of the Raiders, who don't have a lot to play for. It turned into a completely bizarre game that really required the Chiefs' defense to tighten the screws for a long stretch against Derek Carr. But they're... A couple of wacky plays at the end. The Chiefs went for it on fourth down and had a completely ill-fated botched punt, fake punt attempt that gave the Raiders a chance to win this game. They're down by six with you know a minute 32 to go. Chiefs finally closed them down. And that, that said, forget it. I don't. This game doesn't matter to me. Week 17, the Chiefs as a whole, what they've done with their backfield and it's it's someone stepping up week after week. Alex Smith is sneaky mobile. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves for what the, that dimension of their offense, and he does just enough as a, as a quarterback through the air. I mean, they're banged up on defense, and they had I think six sacks today. Well, he's, talking, a, so. he's a huge part of their running game. Yes, I mean, he is. He's he the leading why, rusher today. He is a reason why they're one of the best rushing teams in the league, and he is one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league. Has been all year. Uh, I'd be concerned about their offense going into the playoffs, especially against Houston. I mean, we'll talk about that matchup moving forward. Their offense has taken on water over the last month. The offense is not playing well. They're in the playoffs because their defense is number one in the league in, in points allowed over the la- over this 10-game span. They have not played a winning team since that Denver game, but they won that game easy, and they've taken care of business. I mean, they've they've done a great job. You they can't, barely beat Cleveland. But it's a defensive team They're who, supposed to who makes just enough drives, and Macklin's turned out to be good. Yeah, supposed to get Justin Houston back next week. Correct. I don't think it, that's for sure. Okay. Well, it, they well, did get Tom, Tom Ali, Ali and then you go against the Texans' offensive line with Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, and one of the best tackles in the league, out with a torn quad. I think you're right. That's big, and I I really do think Andy Reid isn't getting enough buzz uh, for coach no, of the year well, because yeah, 
10 wins in a row, no Jamal Charles. Justin Houston missed the last quarter of the year, not playing remarkably well as a team in the last uh, month of the season, yet they kept winning every game, which a mediocre team isn't supposed to do that. So he's doing something right. This is a good team that Reed has playing uh, like an undefeated team. Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, we spent the whole show saying that the AFC lacks a dominant power at the moment, and it's very wide open, which it is. So, yeah, why not the Chiefs, except that I just can't, get behind that until I see it happen. And, I, you know, it's not completely logical or fair to Kansas City, They're, but you just don't see them as that team. Well, they got the right matchup, though. I they mean, they did. Got they a, they could, got a winnable first game, that's and right. then you never know. They're trafficking in the impossible, though. I mean, this was a team that was 1-5 that finished 11-5. So it's like in a weird NFL season, I'm not ready to just assume they're not going to make a run. Uh, we'll see what happens. No, it was a remarkable finish. And, again, Andy Reid, why not more credit? Ridiculous. And Marcus Peters finished out strong. I mean, their defense is good at every level. Yeah. Uh, the Bengals, let's talk about They won't have a first-round bye, but consider them, uh, Chris Wessling, a victim of circumstance. Cincinnati tied a franchise record with its 12th win after knocking off those frisky Ravens 24-16. Uh, the Bengals enter the playoffs as the three-seed and a matchup against the Steelers. Mailman, we are less than a week away, or a week away exactly, depending on how the schedule breaks out, from West of us, 16. Bengals are in the wild card game for the fifth straight year. My favorite holiday in the NFL, West of us. It happens every year. The Bengals lose in the opening round, and they're going to lose this game too because the Bengals can't have nice things like playoff victories. You got 12 wins, though. I this mean, is a dream scenario. I wanted yeah. this. I wanted to see the Steelers on West of us because I can't wait to pick Big Ben over A.J. McCarron in a playoff. You and everyone else. That almost makes me think uh, – Maybe the Bengals will do it just because conventional wisdom. Everyone's going to take the Steelers in this game, don't you think? Well, it just yeah. seems like the upset. If Marvin yeah. Lewis has a motivational bone in his body, he's going to ride it hard here because that will be the narrative. Oh, they can't do they can't do it. They lose every January in the first playoff game. The Steelers are great. They're going to blow the doors off. McCarron can't hang with Roethlisberger. Well, I don't know. Wes. By the way, McCarron didn't convert a single third down today. Hmm. Not a struggled in the first half. How did how did he look overall? He he was a caretaker. Uh, you know he had a really good throw to Tyler Eifert down the seam for a touchdown. Pretty good throw to AJ Green for a touchdown. But overall he was a caretaker, and the defense was more impressive than the offense today. Vontez Perfect had his best game of the season, and to me showed that he's all the way back from microfracture surgery. That's what I want to ask you. Let's say you don't have D'Angelo Williams next week if you're Pittsburgh and you're not playing the Browns who don't know how to make in-game adjustments, and you've got the Bengals' defense, which is, I think, the second best in the AFC, and you're playing Pittsburgh, do you think that you give Cincinnati a chance to at least keep it close? Oh, yeah. Well, we have plenty of time to get it into the playoff well, match. I, I, don't, I, <laughs> I just don't trust the Bengals. I don't know we'll how get, anybody would. Well, hey, they just beat the Ravens. Steelers didn't do it. Just saying. Well, the Steelers beat the Bengals with A.J. McCarron in there a couple weeks ago. That's a fair point. Let's check in on some of these dumpy games before we get to Sunday Night Football. Uh, Jamarcus Sanford's interception uh, uh, in at the Atlanta 25-yard line with less than two minutes to play set up a field goal. As time expired, the Saints, a 2017 win over the Falcons on Sunday. Uh, Julio Jones finished that game with nine catches for 149 yards. Moved into second place in the NFL single-season records for both receiving yards and catches. To me, the only thing really to hit on right now is uh, that Sean Payton is a goon. Here he is, uh, just for fun, one last time this season, um, you know, talking down to a reporter who he thinks he's better than. 
we got the players in tomorrow. We got we got to evaluate the roster. We got a lot of things we got to do. Um, if I feel the need to get you an itinerary, I will. Jerk. But I no, that's that's the answer though. That's the answer. That's the answer. You with me? I can't be more clear. Next question. What a bowl of laughs that guy is. And then he stomped out of the press conference after three minutes because he didn't like the questions. Mm. I kind of like it. I think it's funny, but. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, when it's funny, like a guy is a jerk and it's funny to laugh at what a jerk is to people. Yeah. But uh, have fun with that, uh, Saints. That's your guy still in the future. Julio Jones Most stat. Likely. More receptions, yards, and touchdowns than the entire Rams wide receiver core. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, and I like Sean Payton. It's so double-faced just because he's doing it at the same time that re- his reports are coming out there. He doesn't want to go to Miami, but he would go to San Diego. Another job that intrigues him is San Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco. It's like he's he's even just throwing out there. I like, I like that job that's covered it, right now. Him and Drew Brees are a match made in heaven, let's face it. Moving on, Matthew Stafford threw for 298 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns. Calvin Johnson had 137 yards in what might be his final game uh, with the Lions, and the Lions had a 24-20 win over the Bears. Could be Jim Caldwell's final game uh, with the team. Uh, Detroit um, finishes 7-9, seven and, seven and nine, and they won six of their last eight games. So, you know, that's all well and good, but when you start 1-7, and seven, it doesn't matter what you do in the second half. Uh, which one of these teams has the brighter future, Wes? I think the Lions, no question. And and I think Jim Caldwell should have his job saved. They finished he's not my favorite coach, but they finished out strong and, and they were really good last year too. And everyone always says, Oh, we'll keep Jim Bob Cooter. Well when you fire your coach, you don't how often does the offensive coordinator stick around? That that's completely thrown in a blender. And if he is that valuable and it seems like he is to this He's a young young play caller that they love. I mean, maybe you give this another year. He's 18 and 14. It's weird that they fired the GM because like halfway through the season now because now you have to hire another GM and does he want Caldwell? But it's unfair to fire him after 18 and 14. Yeah, I mean, the only way that move made sense is if they really had the, something lined up nicely. If they're like just like everyone else now, it just it was kind of a strange move. Uh, but things are pretty dark in Detroit. I think it's easy to forget now. When they were one and seven, yikes. Uh, moving on, uh, ooh, kissing cousins time. Kirk Cousins threw th- three touchdowns uh, before leaving late in the second quarter, and the Washington Redskins finished the regular season with a 34-23 win over uh, the woeful Cowboys, who are getting a top five pick out of this season. A season where uh, their loyal supporters and, of course, the front office thought they were a Super Bowl team. Uh, and here is your kissing cousins. Stat of the day, guys, which I know you, you like. that. You like that. Cousins broke Jay Schrader's franchise record for yards passing in a season. He threw for 4,166 Redskins. Four-game winning streak going into the playoffs against? We'll find out. We'll find out. Sunday Night Football. Good point. There you go, guys. Here you go. I'll tee you up. Say something about, nice about Kirk Cousins, and we'll move on. The Redskins organization has been around for 83 years. Kirk Cousins not only threw for more yards in a season than any other player, also has more combined touchdowns than any player in Redskins history, 34 touchdowns, and he was in fuego today. It goes to my theory that if you (laughs) don't have a quarterback, (laughs) if you don't have a quarterback, draft multiple quarterbacks every draft, not just pin all your hopes on one guy, then don't draft one again. Look how this has turned out for Washington. How unpredictable. We never could have called this in 2012. They're That's not going to be a pushover for whoever plays them in the No, first they're round. playing really no, well No, they're right interesting. Now. I mean, people, you know, they, they didn't need to win this game, and they still just dropped a bomb on them for the first half and then took the guys out. They're what playing they, really well. What Dan Snyder should now do for the Washington football franchise is try to get 
uh, them moved into the AFC, where I think they would have a chance potentially. The NFC, that's a tough sledding in that. Well, they're in the worst division in football, so, you know, worked right. out okay. Yeah, everything's great. Moving on, uh, Josh Freeman and Ryan Lindley each threw a touchdown pass. How about that? And Jarrell Freeman scored on a 23-yard pick in the second half. The Colts beat the Titans 30-24. to uh, as we know, the Colts needed a nine-team parlay to steal the AFC South. Hey, hey, playoff robot, how many of those did they get? They had, at, at halftime of the game, they had seven of eight going. Texans were up against the Jaguars, and that ruined it. That, oh. They never had a chance. But I do like a world where Alex Tanney, trick shot quarterback extraordinaire, comes in for an injured uh, Zach Mettenberger and almost decided who has the number one pick in this draft. He came in, went right down the field for a touchdown. The Titans only down <laughs> three at that point. Could have had the number one pick if they won the game. I mean, could have lost it. But I told you, Greg so loves football. <laughs> like we're talking about this game 37 more seconds than we had to because Greg just loved the action so much. Mark and I need to figure out if the proposition was Ryan Lindley plays another game or starts another game. We'll look into that. I mean, can we just say thank God no more Indianapolis Colts? Yes. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. See you later. And by the way, we will um, – a couple things. We got to – this week and the week coming up, we got to talk about the fork. We have multiple charity donations to make uh, in multiple cities across the United States. Three. And also we will, uh, at some point this week, check in on all our sandwich props from the regular season, see who owes what. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Let's move on. NFC East magic here. Walter Thurman scored on a 83-yard uh, pick six in the third quarter. And the Eagles, without Chip Kelly, uh, snuck by the Giants 35-30, another narrow loss for Tom Coughlin in what might have been his final game uh, after 12 seasons with the Giants, although that's not a done deal from some stuff we're seeing out there that this could still be up in the air, whether Coughlin will be back. But you can't hide from the facts that since the playoff, uh, the Super Bowl win over the Pats in the 2011 season, the, the Giants have missed the playoffs every year, and they went 6-10 uh, and 10 this season, their third straight losing season. One, Time for a reboot. One Sounds thing like. about the Eagles, Zach Ertz has emerged as a star. Mm. 450 yards receiving over the final four games, the most ever by a tight end in the final four games of a season. I love that. You know what's going to happen? A bunch of schmoes are going to draft him too high in their draft and then be ripping their hair out. Be like, what happened to December Zach Ertz? Making oh, a leap I, candidate from two years ago. I think uh, he's good enough to, to replicate that again. I'm just happy to see uh, in an emotional day at the Meadowlands that Pat Shermer gets to go out a winner. Yeah, that yeah. feels poetry to me. That's very – that's right. Uh, moving on, the St. Louis Rams. Congratulations, guys. You fulfilled your destiny, falling 19-16 in overtime to the 49ers, uh, thus ensuring another 7-9 and season. Round, round of applause from the around the NFL. Way to go. Way Jeff to go. Fisher. I mean, the the lengths that they went to to go – <laughs> to go seven and nine. To, to lose, first of all, to lose. To they had to the, work a, for it. To lose to a team that fired its coach literally minutes after the game <laughs> ended. Uh, they lost the six point lead in the second half, and then they did have a kick in overtime uh, to take the lead uh, that was blocked. And so naturally, they, I think they just uh, let's not do. It. Let's kick that one right into the line. Here's the <laughs> kick. Uh, he kicked the snapper in the ass with the ball. That's what I heard. Here's the company that Jeff Fisher is keeping. This is from our researcher Law Murray. Since the merger in 1970. Only Dave Shula and Lou Saban have been granted a fifth year after four straight losing seasons. Mm. And yet, not well, only will Jeff Fisher be back, they couldn't wait to say he'd be back. 
The Rams are like, he's coming back. He's coming to L.A., maybe. He's doing exactly what the plan inside that building is. Go 7-9. and nine. He is a genius. He is now, a methodical, precise genius. And now start the countdown clock to the combine. We're less, less need, who, by the way, it, it helps you when you're a 9, 9.5 physically, goes up to that podium, looks better than everyone, and, and speaks with confidence. And everybody starts buying into it. And then Jeff Fisher comes out and because he has respect of people and he has expensive dinners in, with a uh, competition committee, he says things that kind of make sense. And then all of a sudden people are talking themselves into the Rams again. But guess what? January 4th of 2017, they'll be 7-9 again, whether you're in L.A. or St. Louis. <laughs> Deal with it. It's the truth. What else can we say? Yeah, I told you you'd get. Uh, excited by the end of it that the football it was the Rams that did <laughs> the Rams it. They brought, brought it out, out the joy. It's cathartic. Uh, and Jim Tom Sula, yes, has been dismissed, fired as the coach after the game. Uh, you know, talk about the ultimate patsy. Uh, he was brought aboard a team where half of the impact players uh, left the team, many to uh, premature retirement. Uh, Tom Sula does the best he can, and quite frankly, five wins with this roster is kind of an achievement. I'm not going to, you know, hand him a, a trophy, but, you know, he did a nice enough job. Certainly didn't deserve to be a canned after one year, but he was given the task of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, and when that task was over, he went down with the ship. Only the Browns were outscored by more points this year than the 49ers, but they snuck out five wins anyways. Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> Which takes us anything else in Jim Thompson? I, we get into it a little later in the well, week, but we got to get this. I think this I just is a top like three disaster organization yeah. right now, and they can fix it. Maybe they're hearing the Sean Payton stuff, and they know behind the scenes that they could maybe get someone like that. But this is a fan base that where they were a couple years ago to now. What what has happened, and what is there to cling? It to wasn't long point? ago, Wes. You sitting in that very spot called this franchise the vanguard of the NFL because they had everything. Uh, they were cooking. Uh, everything was working right, and now dysfunction now, at every true. level. Yeah. And the guy the guy who drafted all those players that went to the Pro Bowls is running the show with the Washington Redskins That's now. That's right. And Trent Valky has struggled. It looks like he's going to stay. But this, this change did inspire a strong candidate for subtweet of the year. For Ooh, all of yeah. 2000. So, 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 subtweet of the year. I know it's early in the year, but I think this one will hold up. From Jim Harbaugh tonight. Do not be deceived. You will <laughs> reap what you sow. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Did, did he drop the mic? Good I, for you, you crazy son of a... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's right. I mean, Tom Sula, Tom Sula took the hit for uh, management failure above him. He, he was a patsy. Yeah, put in a bad spot. He was a patsy. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers entered Sunday night football with a chance to clinch another NFC North title. The only teams, the only thing standing in their way were the Vikings, a team that the Packers had roundly or soundly defeated a month earlier. But like we've seen in the whole second half of the season, the Packers are not a team you can trust. And we saw it again. They fell behind 20 to three in their building. They, they, uh, you know, they launch a comeback. They get it to within 2013 and near the goal line. Uh, where Aaron Rodgers gets picked off, uh, intercepted while uh, you know tra- targeting James Jones near the end zone. They get one last chance at the end of the game. A Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary again, targeting Richard Rodgers. This time, uh, no dice. So the end, the, when the dust clears, it is a 20 to 13 Vikings win. The Vikings um, finish the season as the NFC North champions, uh, which means they will host a home game against the Seattle Seahawks 
uh, next weekend. The Packers will travel to D.C. to face the Redskins. So I'll, let's start there. Uh, who gets the better end of this? I know the, the Vikings just won the division, but do you really want to be facing the Seahawks? Wouldn't you rather get the Redskins? Yeah, see, the Vikings, I think one of the most impressive games of any team all year was the beating the Seahawks put on the Vikings in Minnesota mm-hmm. just a month ago. That's a tough matchup for Minnesota. It is, but this is a team in the second year of Mike Zimmer who hasn't had a lot of success. I mean, the franchise hasn't had a lot of success over the last five or six years to win a division title, and you get the Gatorade bath on Zimmer, and this was a title we did not think they were going to win as recently as a few weeks ago. That is success in itself. That is a successful season. So maybe there's no shame to losing to Seattle next week. This team I don't think is going to the Super Bowl anyways, but there's a comfort in knowing what you are. They're a team that knows what they are. They're pretty much the same every week. They're a team that can win a game in Green Bay, even though Teddy Bridgewater only throws for 99 yards. Yeah, and I think at the end of the year, the better team won tonight. And I don't really trust Green Bay to do more than they did this evening, which is score 13 points. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that they have an easy situation against the Washington next week. No. The Redskins are white hot. And you're right about the Vikings. I look at them as this is a two- or three-year situation with Zimmer. This is year one of, you know, it's a second-year coaching, but they make the playoffs, and they're a team on the upswing, and they're not going to go do it all this season. Nice first step, though. Of course you want to win this if, game. If I would have told, if I would have privately told Mike McCarthy before kickoff today that I'm from the future, which – you know, admittedly, it would be a big storyline right off the top Possible. for McCarthy. <laughs> if I would have told him you were going to hold Teddy Bridgewater to 99 yards passing and an interception, you were going to hold Adrian Peterson under 70 yards, their leading receiver uh, would have three catches for 33 yards, and you still get beat, you're scratching your head. You cannot. You can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense. But that such is the life with the Packers now who have – a bad offense, and it, it goes all the way. It goes all the way through the organization. How this could have happened this season, but also some of it has to fall on Aaron Rodgers. And I know, you know, no Jordy Nelson. We've heard that, uh, you know, uh, till we're sick to our stomachs at this point. But Aaron Rodgers has not <laughs> been able to lift this offense, and he's been uh, culpable as anyone. We knew a month ago that this was a flawed team, and I think we're starting to figure out now that they can't be trusted to beat anyone. No. Bad right. teams, good teams, they can't be trusted to beat the Redskins. I mean, they're lucky they, they beat the Lions. The, even the win they had against the Raiders, I don't think they played very well. They have not played well since week three or four. And that was Aaron Rodgers pulling off crazy plays. I don't think it was the team playing well. The Vikings know what they are. I don't think the Packers know what they are because they are just used to racking up offensive numbers in the passing game and now that they can't it's like they have no other move to go to and they just seem confused not a great home team this year either so this idea that oh they lose Lambeau Field for a potential playoff run uh, they weren't great I don't think they won a division game at home this year that's outrageous in, yeah. in, a, in, yeah. an, in an okay division that they didn't win one home division game Randall, well, Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams have to be on any list of the most disappointing players in the NFL this season mm. and their leading receiver James Jones it might be the slowest wide receiver in the NFL all right, let's take a look now at the the schedule and West. I know you're excited. Let's just oh yeah. West of this is landing on a Saturday night. Look out! Uh, I don't know. We might have to, Greg. You might have to hire some type of like uh, bodyguard to watch over West if West of this gets too crazy. Well, West of this, of course, for people that don't know, uh, the the Bengals first round matchup. You oh, I talked about it earlier. Lost Saturday. Bengals yeah. first round playoff. It really, just did I miss that? Yes, we did, but that's all right. That's all right. The good thing about the West Coast, though, is 
you know, it, it'll start at 5.30, not 8.30. So we got, we got a little bit of so time to play with. <laughs> it's interesting this year. AFC games being played on Saturday, NFC games being played on Sunday. That's the first time ever, I think, in that I, since I've been a fan where they didn't split up the conferences both Saturday yeah. and Sunday. With uh, Green Bay and Washington in the late game Sunday, Seattle and Minnesota early game Sunday. So a lot of good football. We're down to 12 teams. <laughs> 12 teams. How many games? I don't know. Well, well a lot of games. Al- games. Twelve teams, eleven games, four Wait. weeks. <laughs> got a bye week. Don't take my heat. That's I mean, all I got o- left now. It's an homage. It's showing how I you know. know. That's when I you know. know you're. Well, that's yeah. Really making it. Let's uh, let's end the show now because I need to go home. Whiskey could be involved. Uh, we will be back Tuesday uh, with another episode of the Around the NFL podcast where we will uh, start talking about these uh, these twelve teams that are left. And we'll also, you know, we'll talk about our sandwich props from the regular season, touch in on, as I said, um, our charity endeavors that we need to dig into. It's going to be a busy show on Probably Tuesday. Probably a lot of coaching changes by then or a few more. Good point, Greg. Black Monday uh, coming up in less than three hours here on the West Coast. <laughs> so it keeps rolling. It ain't over yet. Uh, so make sure you, you tune in. Thank you to everybody listening. Uh, you can check this show out on YouTube and uh, also on NFL Now. And you can also get us at NFL.com slash podcast, Stitcher, where else? Where's that Stitcher award? No one knows, but let's get out of here. That's what, Mark, let's get out of here. It's time to go. It's time to go home. Another day with the NFL is over. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, Big B behind the glass. This day's over till Tuesday. Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.